This is Adam Manis. And I'm Peter Martin. And you're listening to the You'll Hear It podcast. Daily jazz advice coming at you. Today we're going to talk about our seven favorite compers. The heck is a comper? Comper. It sounds like, is that some sort of like third-rate coder that (laughs) checks the the computer code or something? Yeah. Send it down to the comper and then to the actuary. I think it was like a transformer when I was a kid, a little action figure. Did you like the red or the green comper? The green comper. Which was your favorite. Yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe we should explain what comping is and what a comper does before we kind of get into this list. Yeah. I mean, that's somebody who comps, accompanies. I believe it derives from from the Latin, to accompany. (laughs) Accompanist Maximus. (laughs) That's right. Um, Yeah. Comping. We're always talking about comping. I don't actually, have we ever used the word comper? Because this is coming from a question on the you'll hear it.com page. Oh, nice. I've yeah. never used comper in my life. No, yeah. That's yeah. why it sounds so awkward when we say it. But we totally know what Albert was talking about. He said, hi, Adam and Peter. I'm loving the daily podcast. Um, here are just a couple questions I had for future podcasts. And this is his first question. Who are your favorite compers, pianists, right. and why? Yeah. So, you know, we put together a little list as we're apt to do. And lo and behold, it came out to seven. Yeah. So if you don't know what comping is exactly, it's when a pianist or a guitarist or a vibes player will actually play the chords. We're improvising the chords and the rhythms um, you know, of the chord changes behind a soloist or behind a vocalist. Um, it's, it's funny because we call somebody who accompanies a comper, do we call somebody who improvises a visor? I'm going to start. That sounds <laughs> hip. Does it, though? What do you, I'm a jazz visor. <laughs> Short for improv. Jazz advisor. That's right. All right, you want to start it out? Yeah, I'm going to start with my favorite comper of all time. That's the incredible Hank Jones. Well, you know what's funny? Oh, I love Hank Jones, but just before you go on, yeah. uh, we said we've never used the word comper, and now you're so familiar. You're, you're so comfortable with it. You're like my favorite comper of well, all he time. Well, was, he was comping behind some of my favorite visors in the history of jazz. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> no, Hank Jones, I to me, he had these like really weighty, meaty voicings, and he had such a strong rhythmic sensibility. He had such great ideas. He always had the perfect taste of where to put his voicings and uh, to me he made every band he was in swing just a little bit harder with his comping I love the way he comps I've ripped it off so much uh, uh, yeah he's to me he's my all-time favorite yeah he's I mean you, you can't argue with that at all um, for number two I'm gonna go with Herbie Hancock and you know uh, the thing that I love about his comping um, I think the most is that he's kind of a challenging comper um in that like he will he's certainly supportive but he's not afraid in the right situation when it sounds right and when it works right to really give some some you know stir up the pot a little bit and give some challenging material to the soloist so i mean i hear him do this mostly with master visors as we say (laughs) you know like wayne shorter or something so i mean it totally makes sense the situations that he does at miles davis i mean you know but i think especially with wayne he really he's such a great listener herbie hancock that uh, you know he's able to combine that with some you know challenging kind of you know harmonic ideas that must be just so fun to run with. And I think, you know, we're always sort of, you know, walking that line between being supportive and, 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 and being inspiring as we're comping. And that's, that's a big part of the art of comping. And Herbie definitely, at the right times, I think, you know, veers into that side of, of, of really pushing the envelope, which I love. Yeah, it's, it's the art form of comping, right, is that balance between you're with the soloist and you're making them sound good 
and then you're sort of gently leading them places maybe they're not hearing, and it's a real fun game you can play. I love that choice of Herbie. Yeah, I mean, I think it's like, you know, almost like when you're, you're talking with someone or somebody else is sort of leading the discussion, but you can sort of ask the questions or suggest the things, much as we do on our award-winning podcast here, you know, our little <laughs> banter back and forth, but it's that art of being supportive but also giving something at the right time. Yeah, it's a big part of it. No one had bigger ears than Herbie or has bigger ears than Herbie for that. It's awesome. Uh, I'm going to go with controversial choice here, and that's uh, Bill Levins, I think is it? No, Bill <laughs> Evans. Bill Evans. Of course, the great Bill Evans. I said the great. <laughs> lionizing again. Uh, no, of course, Bill Evans is on this list because he is on some of the most classic jazz recordings of all time, and his role on those recordings was primarily to comp behind, you know, I'm thinking, of course, Miles Davis and Kind of Blue and all those recordings and and what he brought to that his voicings, his voice leading. Mm. You know, every voice goes somewhere. When you look at, like, the transcriptions of his comping, yeah. um, you know, his voice leading is just so superb and really brought this sense of classical music into uh, accompanying other musicians, the sense of, of harmony and of individual voices moving. Uh, game changer, I would say. Absolute game changer. <laughs> uh, number four, I'm going to go with... What might be seen a little bit as a controversial choice, um, not for his greatness as a visor, but maybe his <laughs> his overlooked abilities as a as a comper, and that would be Oscar Peterson. See, this one is interesting because Oscar <laughs> Peterson, to me, he I mean, he has that art of soloing as yes. a comper. Right, he doesn't really stop soloing when he comps no, either. Sometimes, but it works. It works. It works. And you know what? I've tried to to do the same thing, oh, and I've gotten almost fired off some gigs for doing that. It's really hard, man. And I mean, I, and, and you know what? Oscar Peterson would do this with like Ella Fitzgerald. Yeah, I think the most. I yeah. think it was because he was the most comfortable. But like Ella would come in and start soloing, and Oscar Peterson was. I mean, he'd tone it down a little bit from his solos, but not much. Like he'd kind of keep going. But it was almost like a, a you know. A, what do, they, what do they call it? A polyphony, yeah. like in early New Orleans jazz, where there's like great solos soloing at the same time, but it somehow kind of works. Like they're so in sync. And Oscar Peterson has been known as kind of a busy comper, yeah. but for all the right reasons, I think. It's really interesting. Those like uh, Louis Armstrong, Ella Fitzgerald records, where it's Oscar Peterson trio backing them. Yeah. I mean, he's just blowing through the head and through their <laughs> solos, but he has such great ears and such great taste. And it really, I mean, Sometimes it can be a bit much, but often it just really enhances everything. It's well, I think he's just such a great listener, and he, and he reacts. He reacted so quick in the moment yeah. that he could get away with it too. So, like the the less that you can hear, the more careful you have to be. That's right. Um, the more you can hear on the spot, just like with talking with someone and interjecting, the more skillful you are at it. The more you can get away with doing it, and, and he's a master of that. And I think another thing that kind of helps is his amazing technique, his incredible touch. Yeah, it always felt light, even when he was playing a lot of notes. Absolutely. It wasn't heavy. You know? Absolutely. That's great. Uh, so that brings us to, I think, you know, again, one of the great compers of all time and and very original voice in accompanying other musicians, and that's Thelonious Monk. Mm. I mean, he was playing through other people's solos in a different way because he'd <laughs> usually just keep playing the melody <laughs> right, right. Know, as they're soloing. Right. Kind of pull them back into, hey, don't forget what's going on here. But they were usually his awesome, rhythmic, amazing, sparse melodies, and it just works. And yeah. it also is a great lesson in, you know, when we talk about when you're, when you're vising, uh, which I'm <laughs> comfortably throwing out there now <laughs> regularly, uh, w when you're vising, you can pull from the melody but it's the same thing with comping. Right. You can pull from the melody, and it's always going to work because that's the, the tune you're playing, man. Yeah, and I think Thelonious Monk really, his comping 
uh, came from the standpoint of a very keen sense of the architecture of the tune and really delineating, delineating that constantly with his comping and his visoring, and then and then not being. <laughs> Not, I can't get over it. <laughs> not being, yeah, it's amazing how nomenclature just bam. It just happens. It's there. Um, or as we call it, clature. <laughs> Forget it. But um, no, I think, you know, he, he was able to so clearly delineate um, the architecture and the form and the connection with the melody and, and then really doing it in kind of a blatant way that I would be afraid to do, you know. Yeah, yeah. And he got into a little bit of trouble sometimes. I know that, like, uh, Miles Davis was not really fond of Monk's comp because he wanted more space behind right. him. And he wanted a- another thing. And even, like, on Bag's Groove, I think, told him to lay out uh, as far as comping. Wow. But it was a cool thing then, like, when Monk came in and started soloing after Miles' solo, like, you can tell he really heard what he was playing and like connected with that in a way that contrasted the souls, but connected the overall performance in a brilliant way. I almost think of Monk's comping style. It's almost like he's a really great drummer. Yes. The way a drummer can define the sections of a tune and yep. lift people up at the right time. Like Absolutely. Monk was very, very good at that. Yep. Yep. Cool. So that brings us to one, two, three, four, five, six. We're yep. moving. We're chugging along we here sure with our compers. Um, this is Nat King Cole. So this is um, – actually, you mentioned him as we were putting this list together, and I'm so glad you did because I almost would have forgotten uh, him and his – just his piano skills in general, you know, um, because, you know, he got pulled away into the singing and the acting. Well, and he's a superstar. He's a superstar, yeah. yeah. But, I mean, just a, a master pianist and, and his comping – like, you talk about comping with guitar oh, and man. for guitar. So and that's good. one of the hardest things to do. I don't think it's been be- done better than Nat King Cole. Great voice leading. Uh, you know, some of my favorite recordings with Nat King Cole are, are him, uh, you know, uh, doing uh, a trio with Lester Young and, and Buddy Rich. And mm-hmm. it just sounds so swinging with no bass player even. But his comping, you know, his root position voicing, his comping, his voice leading again, yeah. so strong. And then later on in his own trio, again, that voice leading between him and the guitar is so orchestrated and beautiful and nice. And, and his touch... He really had, like, you know, even though the music wasn't that old at that time, he had all that history in it. Yeah. And it still sounded modern. I well, love. yeah. And then, I mean, I would say, too, is comping behind vocals, which leads us to, I'm going to kind of make, make a preemptive I'll call an audible here for number seven, because oh, you'll as, hear soon it. As, you'll started, hear it. <laughs> as we started talking about Nat and Cole, it made me think of Shirley Horn, who actually, of all these great compers and great visors, you know, <laughs> comp visors, if you could do both, you know. But I would say Shirley Horn, to me, I think is just my favorite. I don't know. I, I, you can't say any of these are the best. That's stupid to say that. But for me, yeah. I think she's my favorite comper to a vocalist, to herself. Incredibly tasteful. And yeah. Yeah, everything sounds awesome. I mean, yeah, and you could say, well, you have an advantage when you're accompanying yourself because you know what you're doing. But it's not that easy. It's you know? not that easy. Yeah. You know, it's easy to do it badly. We've, yeah. we've seen plenty of examples. But, I mean, Shirley Horn's, you know, piano skills were, I think, you know, kind of overlooked, uh, maybe along the lines of a Nat King Cole or something because such a wonderful singer and known for that but but I mean she really played with herself singing almost the entire time she very rarely had that kind of separation so she really mastered and I actually got to see her live a couple times where she was comping for some other singers and other players and it was equally brilliant so I can tell you it's not just that she knows how to comp behind herself wow I think that's a great list Uh, uh, Albert hope that this uh, gives you some inspiration to go listen to uh, some people who we think are the best compers yeah. uh, behind not just visors, but lists. <laughs> 
which is now... Do uh, compers ever wear, like, a visor when they go out to play tennis? That would be interesting. <laughs> Corny, but interesting. Yeah, and if you guys have some, I'm sure you have some other ones that, that we didn't have room for, or maybe some unconventional ones we'd love to hear from you on that. You can go to openstudionetwork.com slash podcast, or you can go to you'llhearit.com. They both end up at the same place. you got a place you can leave a comment, ask a question, all that good stuff. That's right. And uh, when in doubt, you'll hear it. Mm. Thanks for listening to this episode of the You'll Hear It podcast. If you liked what you heard, please leave a rating or review. Yeah, I liked what I heard. Mm. I'm going to leave five stars, but (laughs) you guys can do whatever you want. Today's episode was brought to you by Open Studio, jazz lessons from jazz legends. Check out our brand new All Access Pass. All Access, what is that, like one or two courses you get? Dude, I said All Access. It's access to everything. Every course, hundreds, ah, thousands, tens you. of thousands of lessons. <laughs> Wait, me, let tens me, of thousands. Well, back up, back no, up. Definitely hundreds. <laughs> We're getting close to a thousand. Everything from Christian McBride, Peter Martin, Romero Lobombo, Gregory Hutchinson, Miles Davis, Mead Lux Lewis, okay, Jelly Roll it's Morton. Just getting ridiculous. <laughs> no, some of those. The first couple, we've got them. <laughs> Check us out. OpenStudioNetwork.com. <laughs>